Welcome to Vibe Talk Awaken. I'm your host, Vibe Queen. On the show, we will get to know artists, entrepreneurs, and coaches living life in their truth after experiencing an awakening. We'll talk about their journey, wisdom, and any tools they've learned along their path. Thank you so much for being here. Hello and welcome, everyone. I'm super excited to have another episode of Vibe Talk Awaken. I'm your host, Vibe Queen. And this week, we have a fellow artist on the show, which I'm very excited about. The reason I wanted to have him on here is because he has a remarkable awakening story to share about embracing his truth and living that. Before we dive into that, I want to share a little bit about his background. So he was born and raised in the San Francisco Bay Area, and he's a billboard charting artist. And so Gaddison began playing the piano and singing at the young age of 10. He composed his very first song at the age of 12 and the musical talent surrounding his family being a major part of his overgrown musical roots. Gaddison began his musical journey in church and in his teenage years he developed a love for EDM which gave birth to a silky sound grounded in funk and supercharged by the undeniable energy and excitement of electronic music. So dope. <laughs> Welcome to the show Gaddison. How are you Thank feeling? You so much. I'm like feeling a bunch of different ways. I'm feeling so excited and happy to be here and to just be here with you to, to, to get in some positive energy and some good vibes and all that good stuff. So I'm, I'm excited. Awesome. I'd like to kick it off just right into the awakening journey. So if you can share with us a little bit about what kind of set you off on this path of really just tapping into your truth and, and how it spiraled into your career and your music as well. Absolutely. So my, I'm sure as everybody's awakening journey, it didn't happen overnight. It was a long uh, process and one that I'm so extremely grateful for, even though it had a lot of pain, a lot of rude awakenings <laughs> and, and a lot of things in there. So I, I will just to give you context, start from the beginning and, and then go from there. But so anyway, I was raised in a Christian, evangelical, Pentecostal home and environment. I was in the black church, okay? And and so the good old church of God in Christ. And and my I knew a few things at a very young age, okay? I knew that my faith meant a lot to me. I really enjoyed the idea of being close to God and uh, some of the teachings in the Bible as far as love and that kind of thing. And that was deeply rooted in, inside of me. But the other thing that I knew from a very young age is that I was attracted to men and that I was gay. And I probably wouldn't have put that language to it in the beginning. Being so young, I just didn't understand any of that as much as I just knew that I had heard <laughs> from the church and from different people that I respected and loved and looked up to and that I considered to be heroes of the faith, that being gay was just unacceptable. Not only was it un unacceptable, it was basically an abomination to God. It was just, it was, just, yeah, it didn't mix. And so you can imagine that in a young person, what kind of dissonance that would create. And I was no exception to that. It created that dissonance in me. And But for me, it was the dissonance is coming from my sinful nature. And so I just need to get closer to God. And as I get closer to God, that sinful nature will start to disappear. And it'll, yeah, the light of God will just wash it all away. And this cancer that is homosexuality 
will right. be healed. Anyway, I fast forward through my teenage years. I would just like really press into my faith, all that kind of stuff, really go through some counseling and different things like that when it came to homosexuality, same-sex attraction, how they would call it in the church. And by the time I graduated high school, the interesting thing is that not a lot of people knew if you don't follow my story, but is that I came out after high school. When I graduated, I came out and I came out in a way of, I'm going to just, every, every person in their life has to have that moment where they just live for themselves mm -hmm. and they break some of the rules and they, whatever. And it's not a long-term thing because what really means more to me than anything is my faith. But rebellion, yeah. yeah, a little rebellion, right. you know. And so the even the framework of my coming out was rooted in rebellion, mm -hmm. uh, rooted in the foundation of I thought that this was rebellion, and ultimately that I would come back to my senses, so to speak, mm -hmm. and come mm -hmm. back to God. And I came out. And it was like maybe a year and a half. I, I'm from the Bay Area. And so San Francisco was like my best friend. And, and so we'll go out there exploring my thing. A year and a half later, which is a whole nother crazy story that maybe we can get into later. But I end up coming back to God. I go back to this church service. I'm crying and I'm like, God, take me back, please. My sinful nature is taking over me and death destroy me. So just take me back. So then I come back. My you would you could imagine that my my mother was very happy to hear that her prodigal son had come back to God and the whole right. thing. It's it's the whole thing. And so I come back. At this point, I decide one thing that you'll know about me, and this is this is part of my personality, is that I'm a very all or nothing kind of guy. There's some great things about that. And there's also some things that are like, bro, chill. But how it was expressed in that was that I was very, when I'm sincere about something, I'm extremely sincere about it. And so I literally threw away, like, I, rem I remember the night that I, quote unquote, came back to God. Mm. I literally got back from that church service and I threw away clothes that I had bought during that time. I literally threw away your identity, everything, just anything that reminded me of that. I literally that night, I remember I lived on like the second floor of this apartment building. I just was literally carrying things out to the dumpster, throwing it away. And, and then I remember coming back into my apartment and literally balling up on the, the floor in the fetal position and just weeping because literally weeping because I just did not know how I was not going to be gay. Mm. I didn't, I did. I'm like, listen, my faith means a lot to me and I'm doing this because I right. believe in it. Right. But right. I'm like, how the hell do I separate right. my sexuality and this thing? I just, I just was like, I was, wow. it was wow. bad. And anyway, I figured like the only way that I can do this is to just run in the complete opposite direction. And so I ended up moving from the Bay Area to, with my mom at the time. She was in Sacramento. I moved in with her and I went to this, uh, her church had a, a Bible college. So I just went to this Bible college, signed up for it and was like, yo, I'm just going to give everything to God. I'm just going to throw myself into it. Wow. I went to, went to counseling, 
uh, went to kind of these more reparative therapy type things. You really um, tried. I really, wow. honestly, this is, and this is the thing, we skip it to the end, but this is the thing. There's nobody in my life that was in that time that could say I didn't try. I literally went through more men's purity groups and counseling and reparative therapy and sessions where they try to cast the demon out and the whole thing. I did the whole thing. And as wow. people will find out, I did even more than that. And, and it just did not work. Anyway, I went to this Bible college, ended up meeting my best friend. Her name is Allie. And her and her best friend at the time were really close to me and my best friend. And we were this little group mm-hmm. and, and Bible college. And we just, it was super fun. Great people ended up. And, and again, another thing of my personality is I'm very upfront and open. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather just put it out all, all on the table and just do what I do. And if you like it, cool. If you don't, then you can handle that however you right. And anyway, I, I, after some time, I had ca- called all my friends together, those that are group. And I was like, hey, listen, this is a part of my past. I'm, I'm attracted to men and I'm trying to figure that out. And we were all under the assumption that you could pray the gay away. So I'm like, this is my thing. And they were like, oh my God, thank you for telling us. We're with you, we're standing with you. And they really showed me love in the way that they understood love. Right, wow, that's beautiful. Do you know what I mean? Like, and They didn't I, judge. Yeah, they didn't judge, they didn't whatever. And, and, and I think for me, one thing that I've learned in this life too, is that people, express love or what they believe love is at the point that they are right their understanding of love was that love could free you from homosexuality that was the genuine belief right Mm -hmm. now we would now be like honey that's not the deal and a more enlightened or a more awakened approach would be like honey you don't have to change for god because God made you and he knew what he was doing when he made you. And so if you actually believe that, then you believe that you're okay. Mm-hmm. You don't have to change anything. But for where they were, that's what they understood. And it was genuine. It was genuine. Yeah. So anyway, long story short, fast forward. I, my best friend, Allie, ended up becoming my wife. Literally, there's so much in between that, but that's whatever. But we end up getting married. The people in our lives, the pastors, the ministers, the mentors, the everybody knew what was going on in my life. I was very upfront, very open. But wait, I have to stop though. Please. please Was that a genuine relationship between you and Allie? Were you guys in love? Were you trying to make it work? Or can you elaborate on that? Yes, absolutely. With me and Allie, it was definitely love. It was definitely, but our loves were two different things. She loved me the way that a straight woman would love a man or fall in love with a man. That's, that was what she was doing. And that was awesome. And that was genuine love. I loved her. Uh, I think hindsight is I loved her. Like I wanted to be her gay best friend. I wanted to be, I genuinely love her. To this day, I genuinely love her, but it wasn't a sexual love. And I think because the context and the framework in which I was looking at life was that this is the ultimate goal. You wanted it it to work. I wanted it to work. And I, uh, I 
allowed myself to believe that the genuine love that I was feeling was what straight people felt. Wow. That's crazy. Isn't that, isn't that deep? Yeah, that's wild. Because you got to also understand I had never been in love with a man or a woman. I'm just thinking, yo, I have strong feelings for her. I can see myself with her for a long time. But what's the difference between that and now I have yeah. a friend where I really love this friend. And okay. I'm like, okay. But wait, you know? hold up, pause, wait a minute. Yeah. Cause I'm just going to keep it real with you. Yeah. You guys have two children. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It How happened. did that work? Come on. Right? Like there had to been some attraction at some point. <laughs> so this is the thing. This is what I tell people. Cause I, I actually really love this question because I'm not the first to ask. No, please. People are like, now listen, now, wait a minute now, bro. <laughs> no. Now, something had to work in order right, to be, right. unless you had a turkey baster. Yes, I think that one of the things that people need to understand is that when you just think about sex in general, okay? Mm-hmm. We all grown folks in here. So when you think about sex in general, a lot of it is mental. Your attraction right, to somebody absolutely. is mental. There's a lot of mental, emotional things that don't even necessarily have to do with physical whatever. Now, right, obviously, I you. you have a physical preference and this, that, and the other. But there's a portion of it, and arguably a large portion of it, that is is mental. For instance, don't want to be too graphic or whatever, but... That's why you can have quote unquote straight guys mm-hmm. who will, who can get off to uh, a, maybe a male giving them oral sex while they as are a thinking about, man, right, right, right. I hear you. Right. right. Or else. Okay. So I think that now, so take that now consider the fact of human beings are good, really good at one thing I think in particular, and that is survival. When you feel threatened, when you feel like your life depends on something, mm-hmm. you are adaptable. You survive. You learn how to adapt, evolve, and to make something happen that wouldn't otherwise be able to happen. Okay? That's evolution. That's it's human nature. So in my situation... My life, in my viewpoint, absolutely depended upon making this relationship work. work. Otherwise, right. I was on my way to a burning hell. Hell, right. I, I feel eternity. you. Yeah, that makes sense. And according to certain folks, I was on my way to the belly of hell. And when they talked about that belly of hell, I ain't never talk, heard nobody talk about a belly like the church talked about the belly of hell. It put fear in you. So when was the moment in your nine-year marriage that you finally recognized, you know what, I need to just, I need to get out of this? And my second question, did your wife or ex-wife, did she know and was she in denial in some level? Yeah, for sure. So I would say that when I realized was, so we were married for just shy of nine years. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like a little short spout. And again, Going back to my comment earlier, anybody who who knew us in that space, you can't say I ain't try. You know, right, right. And if you see my best friend, who happens to be my ex-wife and the mother of my children, she's absolutely gorgeous. She's stunningly beautiful. So it ain't like it ain't nothing wrong with her. So I I think that 
both of us were in denial. Let's just be honest. Both of us were still coming to grips with our faith and what we believe. And I think that when you have been taught for all of your life that this is the lens in which you should look wow. through life. Mm -hmm. And if you don't look through the lens, uh, through life, if you don't look at life through this lens, then you actually are in jeopardy of your soul being eternally lost. It stops some of the questions that maybe you would ask out of fear that if I ask some of these questions, maybe I'm what they're talking about in the Bible where it's, I'm going to be deceived. Well, then that's where things start to feel a little bit cultish. That's where things start to feel a bit like a prison and less of a faith that is liberating. And so, yeah, it, for us, it took us a while. It took us a journey. That's so fascinating. So I have, an, I have a question to ask you. I'm trying to phrase it in a way trying to choose my words carefully. No, you, you just asked me. We folks now. So, because you said before that you're a very extreme person. Yes. And at one point you were very extreme with the faith mm -hmm. and then you got rid of all of your clothes and your yep. identity. Yep. And now it's the opposite in a way. Now you're like, okay, I'm bold. I'm, I'm identifying uh, as this. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever considered that perhaps now you're doing the same thing? Okay. I'm so grateful you asked this. Honestly, it's something that I love to talk about. Remember how I talked about earlier, how when I first came out, my framework was that this was about rebelling against God. Mm -hmm. And there was no way I had been taught my whole life that there's no way that you can hold, or there's no space that could hold both God and gay. And so that determined how I interacted with the world, how I saw the world, how I treated myself, how I saw myself. This time when I came out, I was very intentional not, as it, it's, it's best as I knew how, not to swing the pendulum the other way. So okay. for me, what swinging the pendulum the other way would have looked like is, do people say bad words on this podcast? Yeah, you can curse. It's fine. Okay. Okay. I'm like, it would have been like, fuck the church. Fuck a Christian. Those people took away years of my life with their bullshit and rhetoric. And especially in this political climate and what everybody has been doing in, in light of the church and politics and all this stuff, middle, my middle fingers are not tall enough mm -hmm. to extend to you. That would have looked like it swinging the other way for me mm -hmm. because I could be that Complete. extreme. You can you know, be very resentful. For me, what I found so far as the healthy balance for me looked like understanding that I can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I tell people all the time, I do not regret my journey to this point. I would do it all over again. I sincerely would because I'm the person that I am now, the lessons, uh, the platform that I speak on now, the, the, the message that I have for people now, I would not have had I not gone through those things. But I would never recommend it for anybody. And I'm adamant about raising awareness so that other people don't have to go through what I went through. And I think that my faith still means a lot to me. My, not I think, I know my faith still means a lot to me. And I understand that there is a space that contains both God and gay. And mm -hmm. that has been a challenge in and of itself, not just with the church, because the church is no, you're wrong. There is no space and you're on your way to hell but also in, in the LGBTQ community because people have been so hurt mm -hmm. 
so um, crushed by the church in the name of God that when somebody says, I hold space for both God and gay as specifically Christianity, it's like bullshit, bro. You're, you are, you're deceived, you're delusional and whatever. And so I think it's been interesting to navigate that space because I am, I do, I am so different from what a Christian would be. And I hold different values from what the typical Christian would, but to try to explain all of that in a conversation is. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And that's why I asked that question because I have such a variety of guests on my show and I pride myself in having guests on my show where I don't necessarily always agree yes. with their outlook. Yes. And yes. I think that's healthy because I don't want to create just an echo chamber of the same views that I have. Right. And it's funny because when I talk to people and when they get to know me and they're like, whoa, your political views are what? Or, yeah. oh, you think that? Yeah. They're always so surprised. And I'm yeah. like, why do you assume? Stop yeah. assuming. And exactly. also stop taking things personally. Yeah. And as I'm going to throw labels out here because yes. people see what they see. I'm a woman. Yeah. I'm biracial. I'm black. People uh -huh. assume I'm straight. Uh -huh. And so all of these things. But it's, if you actually get to know me, people that are very close to me will realize a lot of these things are like, there's a lot of assumption happening. So that's right. why I always find it interesting when people go with all these labels. Right. And so I always challenge people, who are you outside of that? Right. Who are you outside of race? Who right. are you outside of gender? Who are you outside of your sexual orientation? Yes. Who are you outside of your trauma? Yes. Now, who are you? Yes. And how do you show up when you are alone, when no one's there to give you right. validation? Right. And it's, oh, that's scary. Yeah. And I find that when you can do that, and the answer to that for me is meditation, when you're alone in yeah. your thoughts, yeah. that's your true character. Now what shows up for you? And do right. you like who that person is? Right. And right. I feel like sometimes with all of these labels and pronouns and all of that, it can be uh -huh. almost like a Band-Aid uh -huh. and it can be a very safe distraction. Yeah. And so I'm not judging anyone that goes by that. And I know it can be a lot of, a, of branding as well. And I'm very aware of that. And I know right. it can raise awareness and I get that. Right. But I just hope that people will recognize that in a lot of ways, don't get that confused with who you are inside. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what I mean? 1000%. So. I agree with that. And I feel like, especially, I think we have on display in our country, the reality of not being able to sit with people civilly and with that have difference of opinions and just have a rational discourse. I don't have to agree with you at the end of the day. I don't have to see the world uh, the same way, but I do think that there's a basic giving people respect, giving people dignity, giving people not demonizing people. And I think a part of the uh, maturity that it takes to give that is directly linked to the, to how you see yourself. And if you see yourself clearly, if right. you've taken the time to, to sit with yourself, if you've taken the time to say outside of my political affiliation, who am I? Outside of my quote unquote faith or religion, who am I? Outside of my sexuality, who am, who am I? I? Exactly. How do I show up? And to me, I'm just like, listen, I just refuse to show up any other way than who I know at my core I am and what I value at my core, which for me, the guardrails, the boundaries, the land that I live in, 
is the land of love. And if it doesn't have anything to, to do with love, it doesn't have anything to do with me. Oh, yes. Just, I'm just not doing it. I love that. Yeah, I agree with you. Absolutely. Yeah. We're on the same page. And yeah. I think that's so beautiful. And I'll be completely transparent with you. I was not even at that place Yeah. probably two months ago. And I think it's important when we can admit that because that's right. where we grow. Right. I was very narrow-minded because right. as much as I didn't agree with other people's opinions, I, I failed to see that we're all right because yeah. we are living in our own reality. You remember when I was talking about how when I told my friends that I was attracted to men, this, that, and the other, they loved me the best that they knew how in that moment based on their understanding. Yeah. And now that we are have lived a little bit more life, now that we are, have experienced a few more things, now that we have fallen down a few more times, now that we've gotten back up, there's a different perspective and we can love at a greater degree. I know that right now I am loving at the level that I am aware right now, but I'm praying and hoping and my goal and my intent is that tomorrow I'll be able to love stronger because I'll be more aware. And so I think this idea of any side, whatever you believe in, whatever, sticking right. and, and entrenching ourselves in this is the right thing and this is what it's like. Listen, as we evolve, we know more, we grow more, we know more. And so I, I pride myself on being like, yo, love is about evolution. Love is about growth and love is about religiously liberating yourself and each other from and covering our weaknesses and our flaws. And the fact that we don't know, I think the most, one of the most powerful things that we can say is that we don't know what we don't know. Yep. I agree. I, I literally came to that epiphany uh, about a month ago. How does your family feel about that? Like your parents, have they come around? Do they accept you? Can you share yeah, with yeah, us? Yeah, for sure. That's again, an ongoing journey. I, my, oh, it was so interesting how all of it panned out, but my mother is definitely a, a really strong Christian and so I think that for her, she loves me exactly where she's at and she's loving me to the full extent of where she's at. And, and so would I want more? Yes. Do I want her to be cool if I brought a boyfriend around and this, that, and the other? Yes. I don't know that she would not be, but the fact that there's a question probably yeah. says enough. But she loves me for the extent of where she's at. And that means she, she would never ostracize me or make me feel less than. She wants me over at, for the holidays. And she, she not only is accepting me and my kiddos, but also my best friend. And she accepts our family and our family oh. dynamic. So she accepts me for where she, the best that she knows how at this particular moment. Would I want more? Yes. But that's, we can, I can't hold that against uh, right. anybody. My dad, he's old school black man, you know what I'm saying? And he does not get it. <laughs> he's like, what? But... He loves me exactly where he's at. And I respect the bejesus out of him. He is my hero because mm -hmm. one of the things that he said to me during this whole process is he's like, I don't get it. This is the thing. My dad and I, have oh, I respect the hell out of my dad. Like, I love him so much. He's my hero. I, I, he said to me, he's listen, 
and we have this relationship. I'm gonna say exactly what's on my mind. I'm he's, not gonna hold blood. back. Oh, he's blunt. <laughs> and I, but I appreciate it because I never have to wonder where you're coming from. You're gonna tell me exactly. But this is the thing that I really respect about him. He will tell me exactly what he feels. But then after that, he'll say, I'm not living your life. Mm. You're the one that's going to have to lay your head on the pillow and be okay with how you live this life. Mm -hmm. I have an opinion, but it's just that. It's an opinion. And at the end of the day, my opinion has no bearing on what you choose to do with your life because I'm not living it. You are. I will back you up. And this is what he told me. He gave me an hour just aired his grievances and talked about how he didn't understand how he thought it was a bad idea, this, that, and the other. And then after that, he said, listen, but I'm not living your life. And whatever you choose to do after, from this point on, I just want to thank you for hearing me out. And for whatever you choose to do from this point on, I back you 100%. My hero. I don't care about what, it, I, he's my hero. That's beautiful. Yeah. I think more people can follow suit with that. Yeah. Because that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, we're all living our own lives. It makes yeah. a lot of sense. I'm curious to know how you were able to, I guess, come to terms with being gay and not resenting your faith. Because, yeah. you know, how, how are you able to do that? Because I'm sure a lot of people that <laughs> went through what you went through had to come to that point. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Now, first of all, before I say anything, I want to say to anybody who may be listening who went through a similar situation as me and came out with a different viewpoint than me, that's okay. And that's valid. And I don't take anything away from what anybody else has decided or done or this, that, and the other. This is just my journey and what I have chosen to do uh, and what I feel good about in my life. That being said, there was a part of me that was like, why would I give somebody else the power to tell me what I can and can't believe in. And that if I don't believe it the way that they believe it, then I can't participate at all. It, to me, that was giving people way too much power, way too much power. I think a part of that was based out of the understanding. We did, me and Allie, we, we chose to go on this journey towards the end of our marriage. We chose to go on this journey of what do we feel like the Bible is really saying about homosexuality and about, about gay people mm -hmm. and gay relationships and all that kind of stuff. So we did research. And when you step outside of the bubble, it's amazing what you find. And one of the things that we had an intent to do was to say, it's almost like when you're in college and when you're writing a, a, a research paper, you don't just research one side of the topic. Right. You you well, you shouldn't. see you shouldn't. Right. If you're a good researcher, <laughs> if you really want to write a a, a a a good paper, you need to look at all sides, what everybody is saying, and then you start to make your own conclusions. Critical thinking, and that's what we did. We chose to go on a journey that I think a lot of. And, and I say this as a general statement, and I know that there's, there, there are people that don't fit into this category, but a lot of evangelical Pentecostal Christians never step outside of what they've been taught. It's just an echo chamber. And, and if you try to step outside of that, you are, you are condemned, you are criticized, and you are labeled as rebellious not a critical thinker. This is not celebrated. And so for us, we were like, listen, now we've gotten to this point where we believed what a lot of people have said for a very long time. And that's not gotten us too far. 
So we need to start thinking critically and we need to start owning our own life. It's easy to pass it off onto religion. It's easy to pass our life and our choices off to, oh, God said, so I don't have to critically think. I just, no, God gave us a brain. God gave us some something to think with and to critically think with and, and let's use that. So for us, we, we, we found out that for us, when we looked at the Bible and the context of the Bible, if you actually look at the context of what's been talked about, there's only six, first of all, there's only six scriptures in the whole Bible that talk of, that even they use to reference homosexuality. That's the first thing. Out of the whole big old book, New Testament and old, you got six scriptures that you can reference that you say talk about homosexuality. Out of those six scriptures, three are in uh, the Old Testament, which you say is fulfilled by the New Testament because Jesus came. I'm getting a little churchy, but He's Jesus fine. came to fulfill uh, the Old Testament and to do away with it. So now we all live under this thing called grace. That's the good news of the gospel is that Jesus died on the cross for all of our sins and that we don't have to worry about the sin anymore because he paid for it. That's the good news of the gospel. He paid. Okay. So you're telling me that in a, a covenant that we're living under that he paid for it, but somehow he didn't pay for mine or somehow what you deem as sin for me is still sin. It's still potent sin. But for you, we got scriptures that talk about love. Most of the Bible is sitting up here talking about love and loving your brother, loving your neighbor, and you can go and storm the Capitol. Anyway, let me stop. But you can do whatever you do. Jeez. You can bigotry and this, that, and the other. And but that's not cool. But then somebody else, no. It just it and and furthermore, very practically, when in the New Testament, when they were talking about homosexuality, the, the bottom line is that the word homosexual didn't even enter the Bible until 1946. Okay, hmm. that's recent. <laughs> that's that's kind of very recent. recent. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like just a bit. And so, you, so then the natural question is, what was there before the word homosexual entered homosexual into the Bible? You'd be interested to know that the word before that that they replaced with homosexual is pedophile. Now that kind of makes a little bit more sense. And then if you look at the context in which Paul is the one that wrote the, the, the letter where he was talking about this and all that stuff. If you look at the context of the day, what they were doing is boy, uh, child, prostitution in the temple as an act of worship. At the end of the day, we just need to take a breath. We need to yeah. back up. Yep. We need to actually do research. We need to actually start critically thinking about things because let's be honest, whether you're a Christian or not, you can admit that the Bible has been used to disenfranchise groups of people, to control groups of people, whether that be black people in this country as slaves, hey, that's your duty because it's in the Bible, whether that be women, shut up and sit down because you're in the Bible, it literally says that you should sit down and be quiet, you should cover your head, you dare not have anything gold in your face or in your hair, don't have braids. It's like all of these things that we would never say are sensible for right now, there's an interesting story. I may have shared it on another podcast, but I saw this on a documentary called Samadhi. If you haven't seen this documentary, I'll send it to you. It's yeah, fantastic. Please. And basically it shared the story of an elephant and blind people touching an elephant. If you talk to a couple of blind people and they touch an elephant, right? If a blind person touches a tail of an elephant, they're going to describe the tail as a rope. If they right. touch the side of an elephant, they're going to describe it as a wall. If they right. touch the trunk of an elephant, they're going to describe it as something different. Right. The moral of the story is, the elephant is God. And so the description right. of 
different parts of the elephant to a blind person it's their truth right so the tail can be christianity right. the side can be buddhism right. the trunk can be islam all right. of it is truth the yeah. elephant is true the blind yeah. person they can't see the truth yes is god it's yeah. all true yeah the common denominator is love right yes. is that connection so yes. what my point is the quran the bible judaism all of that like you said it's the middleman to god the right. once you realize your personal relationship with god source right. universe whatever you want to call it you don't right. need a middleman you don't need to confess your sins to a priest you don't right. need to go to a church yes. you don't need any of that you can tap into source at any moment at any time that is when you're most powerful and, again that's just my opinion right but I feel but, like but, that's what they're not telling people. And that's, I agree with that. And and the thing is that I think what people, specifically Christians are scared to understand, some Christians are, is that it is, church is a tool. The worship music that we listen to is a tool. The Bible is a tool. The, even a, a gathering together of Christians, it's a tool to do what? To get closer to the divine, to start to, to encourage what? A personal relationship with personal. God. It is personal. <laughs> it's, it's not, a, I love the moments of corporate or coming together as a body of whatever. That's awesome. I think that's great. There, there are something special about those moments, but the whole point of the Bible is a personal relationship, not a corporate, personal. And so I think that we have to understand that these are just tools to help us to do that. And at least yeah, I, me, that's what I believe. So I, I agree with you 100%. And that's why it's so interesting with the whole lockdown and everything that has happened. I think it could have gone one of two ways for a lot of people. You could have either deepened your faith right. and gone inward more right. and deepened that personal relationship. Right. Right. Or it could have completely gone out the window because they've exactly. closed churches and they've closed gatherings. And so I think it's very interesting because those that know me, they know that for most of my life, I was yeah. pretty much an atheist. Yeah. Okay. And so I was not raised religious. Right. My parents right. weren't religious. We barely went to church. Yeah. If anything, in high school, because I grew up in Europe. And so okay. in okay. high school, we had uh, a couple of classes on religion. And so uh -huh. it piqued my interest just purely because I was curious. Right, right, right. So yeah. I would go to different churches in high school with friends because I was just curious. Yeah. But I never really was religious. Yeah. And so not until a year and a half ago, when I had my own spiritual awakening, yeah. what caused me to have this podcast yeah. and this past year and all of the things I've experienced and through meditation, it's I catapulted to now I'm here talking to you. So it's uh, crazy how everybody's yeah. on this journey and now I'm just like, wow, I have such a personal relationship. You could call it God, source, right. energy. But it's interesting because most of my life, I had zero relationship. And here you are sharing this journey of you had this battle. And it's so fascinating because when it comes to sexuality, yeah. and and I've never shared this publicly, but when it comes to sexuality, it never dominated my life. It right. never made me feel dirty. I never put such emphasis on right. it and it never it just never took over my life right, and i never right. felt the need to come out i never felt the need to make it part of my brand it just right. never even crossed my mind right. and so right. i always find it so fascinating when i see other people i'm like why does it dominate you so much like yeah. why can't you just be your who you are yeah and so it's interesting with this past year and now like with race and this and that i'm like people are so attached to their labels and to their identity who are you outside of all of that? Yeah. Because I do think right. it's important. 
Now, besides that, I want to shift the conversation to your music. You said before you wanted to raise awareness. Did you always want to include your story and all of that with your music? Was that a very conscious shift for you? I think because of the timing of me actually pursuing music, it was basically a reset from after we decided to end our marriage. So yes, it was very much to me, it was like, there's no way to separate my story or to be authentically me and not to tell my story. I think also it's just a a thing of, for me, I'm like, okay, if I went through all of that and there's other people who are at this, it's a fact. There are people who are going through it right now and in that situation. So to me, I'm like, okay, it would be helpful to be honest, to be vulnerable, and to tell my story and to put that in the music. Now, every song is not, I used to be a Christian. It's not gonna be that, right? But there, it will always, for me at least, as far as I could see, there will always be this element of me bringing it back to a, a message at mm-hmm. a point. And if I'm bringing myself authentically in music, then that's just a part of who I am. I'm curious as a father now, has that been a challenge uh, raising your little ones or how are you guys going about that? Do you guys have a plan? First of all, I love your questions. They're so amazing. I love being a father. I think it is the most unique privileges I have in my life. I think it's one of the most unique privileges I'll ever have in my life. I don't think anything will ever, I know it, I know. I could stand to be corrected, but I don't think so. That this is just the best thing that has and will ever happen in my life. They are just the most beautiful, kind-hearted, sweet, little kids, little humans. And, but as a father, is it hard? I think being a parent is hard regardless. I don't care how cool you (laughs) think your kids are. (laughs) It's always going to be hard. Gay, straight, hide, pan. I don't know what, who who cares? It's going to be hard. Mm -hmm. That being said, as far as what me and uh, Allie have talked about and, and, and not We've talked extensively about this stuff to the point where we've exhausted ourselves talking about it, about what we want to talk to them about, how we want to structure our family. So just so, you know, for context, the room that I'm sitting in right now, I'm sitting in my apartment and the wall that's on the other side of the room is a wall that me and my ex-wife share. So she lives in one apartment. She lives in the apartment right next door to me. And I live in in the other apartment and our kids go back and forth and they come over when they want. And they, it's just basically for them. They think it's just a big house. (laughs) They know you guys are separated though. They know we're separated. They know that me and mommy are divorced. Okay. We deeply love each other. They know that one day mommy and daddy will marry their own prince. Okay. That's what they're into. They also uh, just, I want to say a couple days ago, my daughter who is about, uh, who is six, she is excited for us to marry. Well, she's excited because she wants two more dads. And so she's like, when are you going to get, literally she's sitting over here fussing with me about it. She's like, when are you going to get married so that we can have two more daddies? And uh, so they're very excited about that. They know what's going on to the best of their ability, of course. They know that we love each other. We love them, but we're not married. And they know that we were married and that we got a divorce because because daddy's gay. And uh, that wasn't fair to mommy or daddy. And they know that should they, and it's been expressed to them verbally multiple times, 
whoever they choose to love is a-okay with mommy and daddy and there's no pressure to pick any anything just be them and that's it okay beautiful was that for i guess your ex-wife was that hard for her or was oh. just, I can't even imagine. Oh yeah. It was yeah. hard for both of us. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, even that regardless mm -hmm. to me being quote unquote free from free to go into whatever, it was more about at the end of the day. Yeah. I'm free to be gay, but what the hell does that even look like? I've been brain brainwashed, arguably I've been brainwashed for most of my life. I can remember coming out and being like, okay. Being gay is wrong. I still feel shame. I still feel like God is looking over my shoulder. And if I were to have any sexual interaction with anybody, like the shame and whatever of that. So it, it was hard for both of us. Yes, for her, it was a different type of hard. It was a, the mm -hmm. fact that she, I was her husband. I was her dream. I was her, yeah. there was nothing wrong in her eyes besides the slight fact that I was gay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I mean to laugh. <laughs> Just a little Just minor you know, detail. Minor detail. But I mean, other yeah. than that, like, I mean, I'm sure for her family and all of that, it's like, it's a little bit of a shocker, embarrassing to be like, oh my God. As a woman, I can only imagine because I was married and I was with someone for 11 years. So I'm, I'm only thinking in my own experience, if, if that came out, like, how would I feel? It's almost like a little bit of, as a woman, don't you, you were up front with her. Yeah. So That's the thing. I was like, girl, did you not know going into this? Right. Like, I told you, you should have known better. Did you not realize what you were getting yourself into? Come on, on, on a, some deep level, you should have known where this was headed. Well, and that's the thing is that I think that again, when you, from a religious standpoint, when you sincerely believe that when you sincerely believe anything it's your yeah. reality yeah that's a good point it's just again you said that the elephant the tail the, the yeah. wall belief the, is powerful it's a belief is very powerful and it doesn't matter if it's a lie or not if you believe it then it's true and and you basically you you alter your life for that thing to be true and so very, it takes immense courage it takes immense humility to be able to rethink this, which is why I think most people end up with, we have that saying there's, you can't teach an old dog new traits. Mm -hmm. It really comes down to the fact that as humans, when we really believe something, it really takes a lot for us to uh, undo that belief and wake up out of it because there's a lot of embarrassment that comes with humility and saying, I may have been wrong. Yep. Absolutely. And that's why I'm the first to admit when I'm wrong, because I, I get that. If I have to be the example, so be it. And so it's a good point what you said earlier that you're grateful for all the things you've been through, because think about it. You wouldn't even have those two beautiful little humans. Oh think about that. That's not that interesting. They wouldn't yeah. exist. Now, before we end, end the episode, I want to talk about maybe some tools and some things that you implement in your life to keep your head on straight. So mm -hmm. can you share with us maybe some self-care <laughs> Or some things that you use, do you still see a coach or a therapist or a counselor or do you journal? Share with us what you do to keep your sanity. Absolutely. Well, definitely friends <laughs> and definitely making sure that I have good people around me who aren't afraid to challenge my thinking. I like um, that. I, I pride myself in having people around me who challenge my thinking, who don't just go along with what I'm saying. To be really honest with you, I'm a good talker. Okay, I can sell a fly. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I can sell it. I can make I, I can I can do it. 
And so I need people around me who are like, bro, you just talking. You talking and I hear you and what you're saying is good. But now I need you to put that down. I need you to talk to me for real. And I'm mm -hmm. also, I'm an optimist. So I can paint a stormy day like it's just the sun is shining. And, and I think that it's a beautiful thing. I think it's actually really a gift. But, and it's honestly what's helped me get through a lot of what I've gotten through, but I've learned the balance. I think my biggest takeaway from this life is just about balance. There's to, to be extreme in any one way is to be extreme. And mm -hmm. I think, I don't know that's ever really good. So yeah, I just try to keep my friends really close to me. I try to be as vulnerable and as honest as possible. Not as possible. I literally lay all the stuff. You could ask me some crazy stuff on here and I sure would answer you because I just, I try, I have a core value that I want to be known as a person who is humble. And that doesn't mean self-deprecating. Like I just know that I don't know it all. And I read, if I, if, like you said, if I'm going to be the example, then so be it and let it be what it is. But definitely meditation for me is a big thing and definitely little podcasts and such. And for me, I'm a verbal processor. If you can't tell, I like to talk. And just making sure that I have good people around me that I can talk to. I like that. It's a powerful tool. And I love the fact that you said having friends that challenge you and push you to think critically. What do you yeah. do when you get out of bed? Do you have a routine that you stick with? Does it change from day to day? What Listen, helps you? Listen, let me, I told you I'm going to be honest, right? Mm -hmm. Please. No, please. No right so, or wrong answer. Listen, my morning routine is not something to be followed. Okay? This, is, <laughs> this is this is not a model. Okay, baby. You can follow me on some other things, but morning routine is not. I am, and I, listen, now you're my friend now, so now you got to give me some straight talk. I would like to blame it on, I'm a creative, and so I just go with the flow because the creativity and this, that, and the other, or maybe I have some predisposition to just being a lot more flowy, but I think at the end of the day, it's lazy. I do find time to meditate and different things like that, but it's definitely not on a regular basis, like a morning routine type mm -hmm. of situation. I get up, look at the ceiling and this is horrible, but listen, you getting it exclusive. <laughs> hey, give it to me straight. I literally will get up. I'll look at the, the, the ceiling. I may say a little, oh, okay, I'm grateful for the day or whatever. <laughs> but then usually I get right onto the news, which is horrible. And I'm looking at the news and being like, what the hell is going on with our country? What's up today? What's on the reality show? It's my real housewives of Atlanta. That's what it is. The news is my real housewives of Atlanta. I go check in on the different characters that I like, don't like. You don't need other. the TV anymore. You literally. Uh, yeah, yeah. I feel living. you. Yeah. So we are living in a reality show for sure. Yeah. So that's what's been happening lately. I, I totally feel you on that. I appreciate your honesty. Yeah. And uh, one thing I definitely started implementing is the moment I feel that I'm aware in the morning is to say thank you or a, a feeling of gratitude. I got yeah. that from another guest who said that she smiles. And she said, just uh, forcing yourself to smile, even if you don't want to, you're yeah. just kind of psyching yourself up to start the yeah. day with a positive note. So I've been trying to remember yeah. that and saying thank you. Just I a tiny that. little thing. So yeah. I appreciate you 
yeah. you sharing that. But yeah. Gaddison, it's been awesome having you on here. And I appreciate you just being so candid yeah. and just, just sharing your story and just laughing with me. Yeah. Awesome. I, I just love you and appreciate you. <laughs> and I know amazing things are going to be continuing to happen for you. But before we sign off, I just want to talk about your show. I know you have a show that you just started on Facebook Live called All on the Table. Tell everybody about it. It sounds like you just talk about everything. So go ahead and plug it. Yes. So we definitely on all on the table. I definitely just talk about different topics. Some of them are really encouraging and, and my heart is to really encourage people. And it's been a tough time. So trying to help people through that. But then some topics, literally, we just talk about taboos or things that most people don't want to talk about. And we just are honest with it. My boundary is love. And if it's, we could talk about anything, as long as we talk about it in the context of love. And as long as we talk about it, we don't have to agree as long as we respect each other. But yeah, that's kind of what it's about, what we do. And these in coming up in February, I will actually be bringing Allie, who is my ex-wife onto the show. And for three weeks, including Valentine's day, we'll be talking together about our story. So people will get to hear directly from her. You ain't got to listen to me. And if I'm selling you a fly, you ain't got to worry about that. You can just hear it from her. (laughs) But yes, and literally on Valentine's day, we will be sitting together and we will be talking about love and what love means to us and the love is in our family and that kind of thing. And just a real exclusive is in February, one of the things that me and and Ali are doing is we're releasing a single that we have together. Oh, she's an artist too? Well, she's not an artist, but for on this single she is. She's singing and and we're telling our story through the song. So it's gonna be be a really powerful moment. Wow, that's amazing. And that's 10 a.m. Pacific? 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time uh, on Sunday and on Facebook Live. Fantastic. So that's 10 a.m. Pacific, which is 8 a.m. Central Standard Time, just so you guys know. So that's going to be on Facebook Live. And for those of you that want to stay up to date with everything, you can follow uh, him on Instagram at Gaddison Official. And uh, yeah, I just want to thank you again for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you. And I'm sure we're going to stay in touch. I feel like I made a new friend. So I really appreciate you. Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on. My pleasure. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. I would love to hear your feedback and thoughts on the show, as well as any topics you would like for me to cover on solo episodes. Please just book a time with me using calendly.com slash vibequeen slash let's vibe, and we can hop on a phone call. I can get to know you and connect directly. I look forward to hearing from you, and until next time.